Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Tim from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire. This is our weekly podcast of the sermon from the prior Sunday. Normally at this time, I have invited everybody to join us for worship at 8, 30, and 11. Uh, but right now we're in the midst of the global pandemic, and so we are not having worship in our building at 8, 30, and 11. Instead, you can find us online doing virtual worship using Zoom. You can find the information for all of that on our website at www.htelc.com. You can also like us on Facebook. And uh, those are the two primary ways in which to find our links to have worship with us. So it doesn't matter where you are, as long as you have an internet connection, you can join us for worship. So thank you for listening. We hope that you find the sermon meaningful and purposeful, that it connects to your life and how you interact with the world. And most of all, it reveals God's infinite love for you and all of creation. The Gospel reading for today is from John chapter 17, verses 6 through 19. Jesus prayed, I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you have given me, I have given to them, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they do not belong in the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they also may be sanctified in truth. Thanks, Joe. This gospel we're doing we have for this morning, John 17. It's a direct continuation of what we had last week. And a little bit about where it comes from in John's gospel, because that will help us have a better understanding of what it might mean for us today. This is part of a longer part of teaching from Jesus. It's called the Great Discourse. So it comes from John 14 through 17. I've talked about this a little bit. Um, In John's gospel, in the night in which he was betrayed, it's the night before celebrating the Passover meal. We don't get Jesus instituting the words of communion, but Jesus does the washing of the disciples' feet. And after Jesus washes the disciples' feet in John, he kind of goes into a long monologue where the author of John, here is all the teachings of Jesus that he wants those people to know now that Jesus is going to be 
uh, betrayed, killed, and resurrect over these next few days. So it's kind of like, um, you know, if you have a kid going off to college or a, a, a kid being married and you kind of like, let me, you know, before you go, let me give you some final thoughts before you begin this new adventure, so to speak. That's what's going on here in John's in this, what's called the great discourse, this long section of John 14 through 17. All these sayings of Jesus, teachings of Jesus put in at one time. What we get today, though, is the, the I don't know if you want to say the culmination, the climax, the ending of that final set of teachings. And the conversation veers from Jesus talking to the disciples to now Jesus praying to God for the disciples, right? So the audience that Jesus is speaking to changes from the disciples to God. And he's now praying for the disciples for what they are going to have to do because Jesus is leaving them. Uh, you can maybe kind of compare it to the prayer of that we are much more familiar with Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, right? In the other gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where after the night, after he institutes communion, he says to the disciples, please come and pray with me. And Jesus goes and prays in the garden. This kind of has those similar overtones. It is the final prayer that Jesus offers for his disciples before he is turned over to be killed, uh, crucified, eventually to be raised. And um, these, so we get this glimpse into it, I would say a very private moment, a little window into it. Jesus praying for the disciples. And I think you can even say praying for all of us who are to come. And he uses a word in there that is a very church word. Maybe you heard it growing up. You had to learn about it, but sanctified or sanctification. Uh, and that's a word I don't use in my regular language. I don't know if anybody else uses in the regular language. The only time I've really used it on any kind of regularity was during writing of papers during seminary. Otherwise, it's just not something that is used very often. And so this word sanctification, I'd like to talk maybe a little bit about what I have come to understand it to mean. I'm going to hold up. Hopefully you can see. Can uh, Give me a thumbs up. Let me hold it the other way. Is that the right way? Yeah. Everybody see the red plate? Thumbs up if you can see it, right? It says, <coughs> you are special today. You are special today. You are special today. Anybody else? Raise your hand or a thumbs up if you have a plate like this at home. Does anybody else have one? All right. I thought they're a little more common. Only one or two other people had it uh, during first service together. This place only gets used a handful number of times a year in our family. In fact, because there's only five of us in our family, this place gets used five times a year. It gets used on people's birthdays. And it's a special play, right? So some of the traditions I love in our family is a birthday cake for breakfast. Anybody else do that? If you haven't done it, you're welcome. You now have a new tradition to do in your family. But we do birthday cake for breakfast. And the re re what we do is before anybody heads off to school or to work, we all get up. The birthday cake gets made the night before. And we start the day celebrating that person. And we gather around. We pull out the cake, light the candle, sing happy birthday, 
And whosoever birthday it is gets to eat off of this plate, right? And then after, this is what's great about birthday cake for breakfast is that you get to have cake twice because then at the end of the day, right? It, tradition in our house for many other people, you get to you you get to pick what you want for dinner. And so you get special dinner that Vicky and I will make for the kids or Vicky will make for me, I'll make for her, whatever it might be. And you again get to use this plate and we get to have birthday cake again, right? But that's when this plate gets used. And it's a plate that has been in my family or the tradition has been in my family since as long as I can remember. I never remember having a birthday growing up in which someone did not use a plate similar to this. And so we have actually given it quite often for wedding gifts uh, for people when they are getting married because it's a tradition that Vicki and I have continued on and we want to give to other people as well. But what's special about it, not only is it a special day, but this plate is different because we treat it differently. It doesn't go in the dishwasher. When it is done, we wash it by hand and then we put it in the drying rack or sometimes we'll dry it by hand also and then put it away in its place. But we treat it differently. It's, it's special. It's sacred. It's set apart, right? It's just like all the other plates. In fact, we keep it with all the other plates, but we treat it differently. At some level, that does a great example to me of explaining what it means to be sanctified and it misses the mark of what it means to be sanctified as well. And this is what I mean by it. To be sanctified means to be set apart, to be made holy, right? You have a special purpose. You're sanctified. Jesus is praying for the disciples because their world is about to change. And he's praying for them to be sanctified, to let them know that they are set apart for a special purpose. They are made holy for a special purpose. They're sanctified. Now, too often, though, we treat sanctification like we do this plate. It's only for certain things. It's only at certain times. It's only in certain places or in certain activities. That's a holy activity. That's a sacred thing. Now we treat that differently. When in reality, to be sanctified isn't just part of our life. All of our life is sanctified. All of our life is made holy. We can't just cordon it off. We can't just divide it up. We just can't partition it and say, this is a holy activity and this is not. This is sacred. This is secular. We believe in Christ all is made sacred. Not just when you do activities labeled Christian or not just when you do activities uh, that are part of church, not just when you do activities right that are separate, but all of our life is made holy. We shouldn't just view it as certain days or certain times, but everything that we do, right? Because you're not going to live your entire life at church. Most of your life is spent outside of it. You're not going to spend your entire life doing things that are labeled Christian. Most of your life is spent doing things that wouldn't have that label. And yet they are sacred and holy things. As I look throughout to the people here on Zoom, and this is what's nice about doing it this way, I can scroll through. 
I see teachers, I see nurses, I see lawyers, I see accountants, I see engineers, I see uh, people who stayed home with kids, I, right? I see all of these people that have done great things that are sacred, yet may not be labeled that way, but it doesn't make them any less holy, any less important, any less special. Your sanctification, your holiness, your set-apartness encompasses your entire life. Not just one aspect of it, as if here's a situation in which now I can show compassion because it needs it, and now these other ones I don't. Instead, because we have been called, because we have been claimed by Christ, all of me is special not just part of it. All of me has been shown compassion, so I can show compassion everywhere. All of me has been loved, so I can show everywhere, show love everywhere. Because as Christians, we have work to do. There's a lot of hurt going on in the world. There's a lot of heartache in our lives, in lives of our neighbors, in lives of people across the world. And we are called, as Jesus came and showed us the way and then sends us out on our way, we are sanctified to continue that holy work. Not just during an aspect of it, but during all of it. It's not just part of you that is made special. All of you is made special. Not just part of you is sanctified. All of you is sanctified. There's a story, and I think it's more myth than real, as I talked about this, I asked Mark Edwards this before. Early on when people were baptized, middle ages, you know, um, warriors or people in the army would be baptized, and all of their body would be baptized except for their arm that they would have to carry their sword in, right? Because if their arm or their sword wasn't baptized, they could still go out and fight and kill and do what they needed to do. But the rest of their body was baptized, right? It's almost like you could separate that out. That misses the point. You can't baptize only part of us. You can't sanctify only part of us. All of you is made special. All of you is made holy to take that with you wherever you go. So anything you do has holy purposes, has sacred purpose behind it. There is no sacred and secular. It is all God's, all of you. So we need to remember, right? While this is fun to do for birthdays, you aren't special only because you eat off a certain place one day a year or maybe twice during that one day a year if you do a birthday cake for breakfast. But every day when you wake up, you are sanctified and have a special purpose in the world. Every night when you lay down, no matter how it goes, and we have some days in which it goes really bad, doesn't it? And we wonder, is it all worth it? What am I doing? You are sanctified. You have a new day tomorrow to get up and try again. That is what Jesus is telling the disciples during this gospel lesson of John as he is going to leave and they are going out into the world. And that is what we need to hear today.
as we go out in the world to live and love. Amen.